Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. Real quick, if you're new to the show, or new to me in general, I should say, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at The Real Sykes. The podcast also has its own Facebook page, which you can find if you go to your search bar and just type in Start the Beat with Sykes. It'll come up. And last but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can learn all about at epicastnetwork.com. All right. Today on the show, we got my friend AJ of Preserving Silence Records in Distro. If you're someone in Pittsburgh that's been involved in the hardcore, metal, punk kind of world, chances are you probably know AJ. But if you don't, you know, he runs that label in distro. He's played in a good handful of bands. He's worked in concert promoting. And we sat down a couple weeks ago and had a good conversation kind of about all of that. And, you know, his thoughts and opinions on different things regarding the underground music scene as well as you know what he's into personally me and aj both kind of have a issue with collecting things and i feel like we kind of bond a little bit over that and discuss what it's like collecting various forms of media and just how physical media in general plays a part in the world today or how it doesn't or how it might come back eventually just to leave you on a cliffhanger. Uh, Yeah, that's really all I'm going to say. I don't want to ramble too much, so let's just get into the conversation. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! good and things like that but um i know that you're into collecting stuff right you have that collector's mentality unfortunately yes (laughs) i think it's just the era i grew up in where you had to buy something to hear you know and i didn't grow up dirt poor or anything but i didn't have enough money to where i could throw things away so you took care of what you got and then that inevitably turns into a collection yeah. If you care about what you're buying. Yeah, and you have to be like real careful about what you buy. Yeah. If you get like one C D oh, a week yeah. or something like that. And CDs were seventeen ninety nine a piece. You yeah. Know? And fucking reading magazines to find out about yep. bands and shit like that. Yep. Everything took effort too. So you in general, you know, the more effort you put into something, the more you're gonna appreciate it. Definitely. And I think that that's kinda speaks to the way a lot of bands are nowadays about not putting in a whole lot of effort and expecting a whole lot and then taking it for granted. Yeah, there's obviously a big difference between uploading your MP3s to Bandcamp and going and pressing an album or even a CD or a cassette. I was actually going through a bunch of old press kits at work today because we're trying to find some old artwork that's on a disc somewhere and just going through all this shit that people sent the label trying to, you know, get their band to listen to it. All these like handwritten letters and fun stickers and things. It's just like nobody fucking does this anymore. But this was so awesome. Yeah. You know, I know plenty of instances of bands getting on a fest or whatever just because they 
took the time to show that they genuinely cared about whatever it was they were trying to achieve, you know? Yeah, it seems like it's really, really hard to do that nowadays. Or maybe it's not so hard if you're just willing to take yeah. a different approach. And I even remember, you know, at this point, five, ten years ago, even still when bands actually did, you know, CDR demo. I mean, and it sounds so minuscule of a difference, but, like, the difference between just writing your band name on the disc face or making a little black and white photocopy to go with it. That's like, you know, that's a big difference. That little bit of extra time and effort. Oh, yeah. Um, or even just to cut the booklet straight, you know? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, whenever you walked in the room, like framing your pictures versus yeah, just we're talking about. leaving them on the wall. Reference point, Ryan has all of his posters framed, which in my opinion is the sign of adulthood. <laughs> in reference point, we are talking to AJ. You want to introduce yourself and oh, let yeah, everybody I guess know? Oh, you can do that. What yeah. you, uh, what you do? AJ. I've uh, been around not as long as some, but longer than others. You have a you have a pretty versatile resume, I'd say. Sure, within a very niche uh, <laughs> thing, but yeah. So right now, what is some of the stuff that you're up to that's current that people should be checking uh, out? That's a, that's a good one because I basically just quit everything in my life kind of simultaneously and I'm doing currently nothing. Okay. So I guess that's why I'm on the podcast. Nice. Yeah. Perfect we've, we've timing. We've been trying to do this for a few months, and this is the first time my schedule is allowed. So yeah, I don't know. Quit my job in the music industry. Uh, quit pretty much all the bands I was doing. And been the first time in a while I've been able to fully dedicate myself to things I enjoy doing. Yeah, I saw that you were like re-releasing some old Pittsburgh stuff that hadn't been released, and maybe even outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's been kind of a combination Uh it extends back to, I think, 2001 or two, doing like CDR demos for my band, my friend's bands, little compilations, whatever. And, you know, as with all things, take a break on that for a good while. But uh, yeah, I've been going back through now, re-releasing some old stuff that I felt people should hear, helping uh, some young bands put out their stuff and uh, just trying to get all of my friends' bands off their asses and <laughs> definitely yeah. so like way way back whenever you were putting out stuff for the first time were you the one spearheading a lot of that like oh yeah the front man slash band manager syndrome you know oh, yeah same which uh, is fair because you don't have to load the equipment so you do something else useful <laughs> i'm guessing maybe it might have been a similar situation to me where you start putting out your own material and it looks real professional and then all of a sudden your friends are like where'd you do that how'd you do that and then all of a sudden you're starting to help all your friends do that shit too I would say that's correct, minus the professional looking. Okay. Everything was like uh, inkjet printer, you know. I just remember literally either using the schools, my high schools, like outdated, you know, like first generation laser printers for like some stuff or like lying to my parents to get them to buy me like 10 uh, ink cartridges for the printer at home, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, everything was very DIY. I mean, honestly, fast forward, still is. I have the money to send stuff off the plants, but it's not fun to me. I still enjoy, like I went out and got my own CD duplication machine and it's like, you know, prints on the face and does the whole, you know, robotic arm thing going on. And it's, you know, a massive pain. Like I had to go out and find a desktop that could like run Windows XP on it. I you think know? I remember you telling me this. I yeah. think we talked about this yeah, whenever so like I saw you last. Yeah. Always the hard way, you know. It gives it character. Taking an artwork file and sending it to a company that does 10,000 other things every year. It's all going to turn out the same, which is fine. I mean, that's what looks good, but like I said, character. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's important just to have some sort of a hobby and some sort of a 
passion still well, yeah. going after yeah. you quit everything. Yeah, like, like I said, you ultimately, said you how fun is it to just like click a button, send a file over, and pay the shipping and it shows up at your door you know it's yeah like, i mean it's convenient if you're busy and it seems oh yeah, like you're sure. a that's, busy person that's but the beauty of quitting everything in life you know? <laughs> so then what are you doing now outside of music stuff i imagine you probably have hobbies outside of that yeah you know we're in the house buying process our second house and uh you know doing yard work has been strangely satisfying you know like i said anything i've been working probably on average 70 hour a week for the past like eight or nine years and doing Pittsburgh concert stuff. So anything other than that, you know, which translates to very mundane uh-huh. real life stuff is strangely appealing right now. But, you know, also, you know, it's not completely given up on music and enjoying that, you know, like I've actually been, like I said, ironically more active in helping my friends' bands and doing my own thing now that there's time to allow it. So. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever get out fully. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a life trap. So I remember when I first asked you to come on, mm. you were talking about how you were getting ready to go on the road, and then we were maybe going to talk about after you were back, kind of comparing scenes and seeing how things are in different parts of the country or the world. And did you have any experiences yeah. that you would... Oh, there are definitely experiences. Yeah. But, you know, as as for how what experiences pertain to... Uh, physical media and you know doing labels and everything seeing in countries that you know are definitely in worse financial states than america i mean physical media doesn't exist really you know and if they do they're bootleg cassettes of albums and you know but all of south america keeping in mind my i guess specialty is you know the metal and the hardcore punk somewhere in there those bands do not press albums if they do, like I said, it's their handmade cassettes um, and possibly cassettes of your band. You know, when you're <laughs> when you're going through, you find your own, you know, shirts as well. Pretty much everything, even in Mexico. That's a pretty common thing. Like we made our shirts or whatever and took them down and kids already have their own. And that's awesome. You know, like I have zero problems with that. But if it's like, you know, a dollar or however many pesos cheaper that's what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. it's a, Which is awesome that people, you know, put the time into it, it's that in weird, my opinion. Yeah, that weird fine line where they're taking the time to make the shirts and go through all the effort to do it because they care so much yeah, and because they I mean. want I, it. I view it as flattering. The work alone was probably cost more oh, yeah, than for sure. the, the cost of the product yeah. would have been for and, me. You know, ultimately, I don't do my bands as a source of income. It's all fun for me. So... I guess I'm sure that opinion is different for people who are needing or trying to make a living off their band, but at the level I do it or the way I view it, I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that, I don't know, I guess everybody's level of living or what everybody considers making a living off of a band can vary dramatically depending on the type of person they are too. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people consider making a living off of their band as, you know, being able to pay their rent and their cell phone or, you know, not having to work in between tours. Yeah. Whereas some people would view that as, like, barely breaking even. Mm-hmm. So it's all perspective. Was that ever, I don't want to use the word dream, but was that ever, like, a goal that you wanted to attain, like, doing, like, a full-time touring band lifestyle? Um, no. Well, I definitely at one point wanted to go on tour forever until you do <laughs> that and realize it's the worst thing you could ever do in your life. But, no, it. I actually very consciously and purposely always separated my band from being a source of income because as with anything 
when it becomes needing to make money or a, a source of needing to make money, it's going to ruin it. I worked at Kennywood for a summer. I quit like three weeks in because it started to ruin Kennywood for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, and I just think at least the way I operate, that's you can copy paste that to any situation. No, totally. I was working at Blockbuster Video mm-hmm. as a key manager. It was like the best job ever. Granted, yeah. this was like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster Video yes. should let you know yes. that it was a while ago. Yes. And I quit. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to start recording bands out of my house. I was mm-hmm. living in a different place and did it for a couple months. And it just made me hate recording music or writing music or wanting to be yeah, around it. All, anything you're forced to do, you start to resent. Yeah. So that's probably why, you know, my band plays once a year or something on average, you know. Uh-huh. So doing things, you know, keeping it on your schedule and whenever you feel like it is a good way to keep it special to you. Do you think that that's like a, a mentality that comes with age or just experience well obviously i would not say everyone. experience over age maybe yeah obviously not everyone in the city feels away same way but i do think there's a certain mentality amongst bands from pittsburgh that people are realistic enough to understand that like the band is very secondary compared to like earning your way through life making a living very few bands from pittsburgh who have broken through that threshold past the you know weekend warrior stage you know yeah which I think is great. And I think that's what keeps most Pittsburgh bands very like pure, you know, very sacred to the, you know, at least the people doing it. Now you've worked with bands, I'd say like on the more promotion side of things from all across different musical genres, the spectrums through jobs yeah, that you've doing had. Like concert production management. Yeah. It's yeah, literally a different genre every night. Do you notice like a similar attitude and work ethic all across the board? From the Pittsburgh bands, mostly, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're always going to have someone that's just, you know, funded by someone's parents, which is awesome if you can pull that <laughs> off somehow. But overall, the overwhelming majority of bands from Pittsburgh, the band is like an expensive hobby, you know. Even the great ones, I mean, yeah, they're still paying for a lot of things out of pocket. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty convinced that, like, we just don't have, like, the infrastructure here to like really yeah to like get people like i don't know it just seems like everybody talks a lot about like the bands being the problem and i also think that like fans are a problem too and people have got to share in mind all those people are also working yeah i guess it gets harder too as you get older it's like i think it's just like kind of speaking from my own perspective because i don't have like high school kids that want to come out and see me play Mm -hmm. or like me or if it's a Grey Walker show, things yeah, yeah. like that. You know, we definitely have like our demographic is our age. Yeah. And I think yep. it's like we try to we're very aware of that and try to keep it in mind when we play shows and where we play shows and when we accept things, you know, it's just like. Yeah. You know, you have cities like Portland where everyone's a part time barista. Of course, those <laughs> people can like come hang out every night, you know. Yeah. Until 2 a.m. or whatever, you know. Pittsburgh's a working class town. Hopefully it stays that way, but. It may or may not. Uh-huh. Why why would you prefer for it to stay that way? Because Pittsburgh is the best city on the planet, of course. Yeah? No, it's just, you know, the, the stubbornness and the, like I said, everything we've just talked about. It, there's, I think you can talk to, at least within the genres that I am mostly associated with, people very obviously recognize the difference in how Pittsburgh bands operate and, I don't know, just our outlook and mentality towards everything. Do you think that that's like a 
positive thing or a negative? I guess it depends but, uh, on your, yeah, your some, outlook. You know, some people like to joke about it, but others respect it. So it's all, you know, perspective thing as always. Now, going back to the distro, and uh, I know that, you know, you work with people overseas um, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how many, but you know, you it's, have, just, it's just hard to call anything work when no one's making a lot of money, you know, <laughs> fair but enough, yes. but I mean, you're collaborate. Con- okay. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. You collaborate, you, you're connected with people. And I was going to yeah. ask, like, have you seen like that make any sort of a dramatic shift on the bands that you're helping promote your friends bands? Or is it more or less just like a, you meet a few extra cool people and it just opens up doors for you more personally than like for the scene as a whole? Yeah. I mean, so in general, first off, as it pertains to the distro, like over 50% of my orders go international one direction or the other, Japan or Europe somewhere. Typically there's definitely, I don't want to say a deeper appreciation, but it costs twenty three dollars to mail a single LP. I was just gonna say, like, if they're willing to pay the shipping costs, yeah, they're probably like, they passionate. care at least that much, you know. Uh huh. And also, too, you know, a lot of what I'm interested or involved with was happening 15, 20 years ago, and there was you know ten or twenty people in each city that cared about it. So therefore, the bands were pressing one hundred to five hundred, maybe a thousand copies of whatever they were doing. And here we are 20 years later, half of them of whatever was made is probably destroyed. And then you have now a worldwide market of people wanting it. So, yeah, those people, they definitely put a lot of effort into obtaining that stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, it's back to that collector's mentality. It's kind of where we started this whole conversation. I mean, it's the same way I geek out. I mean, sometimes I like, I kind of chuckle to myself when someone gets so excited about something that, you know, I remember at one point being in the dollar bin of every exchange in the city, you know? Sure. But, you know, all you got to do is flip that coin and think of how I geek out when I find some demo of some band from, like, you know, Sweden that sucks. You know, it's like, but I've just wanted it for 20 years, so. Yeah, I'm always at, maybe at, like, a comic convention or at a record store somewhere, and, like, you always kind of catch somebody out of the corner of your eye just being a total nerd yeah and in your head you're just like oh look at this motherfucker and then yes. i'm like oh look at me i have ninja you, turtle tattoos yes. like and i'm an you, asshole too yeah so. and you realize that you are there to see him which in turn makes you a dork as well <laughs> yeah yeah 100 so what was like the first thing you started collecting was there, was there anything specifically or was it just uh, kind of like yeah i mean it was cassettes first because you know i believe cassettes would be like 11.99 but cds would be like 17.99 so it was like just cheap enough, you know, to where obviously cassettes were like a dying format in the early 90s, but that was more affordable at the yeah. time, you know, when you're saving up your allowance or whatever. So, yeah, started off with cassettes. Offspring Smash was my first one, you know. And then uh, I remember I won a, a copy of the Mighty Mighty Boston's Let's Face It at Kennywood. The second time I brought up Kennywood in this conversation. <laughs> um, it's a true Pittsburgh podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on one of the like the weird carnival games or whatever. So then at that point, I was like, this is it. I'm a CD guy now. So yeah, then CDs. Um, I'm actually, this doesn't relate to music at all, but I'm a pretty serious Laserdisc collector. Might have to Google that one, but. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like stuff outside of music because I remember yeah. uh, seeing like your Instagram in Japan, like Laserdisc oh, yeah. Hall. Yeah. Yeah, so I figured much. you were probably into movies. Yeah, I went to Japan essentially to shop for laser discs. <laughs> so, yeah. um, How was getting yeah. that stuff back? 
Like, um, what honestly, was your tactic? One of the most grueling things I've ever done in my life. So it was like one of those situations where your first check bag is free, your second check bag is fifty bucks, but then your third check bag was like two hundred and fifty dollars to you know discourage like, you from bringing that. But I had two hundred pounds of physical media, so <laughs> uh, I I had four bags. You know, the first check bag for free, the second one I paid the fifty bucks. And then my carry-on and my personal item, I technically managed to fit 50 pounds worth of stuff into, which was shit. amazing. You know, I took all this, bought like hundreds of CDs, but the trick is if anyone's listening and you're traveling internationally, take them out of the cases, yep. buy new cases at home, you know. So I had about 300 CDs in this like personal item size, you know, laptop bag type thing. And it was about 50 pounds, you know, so Yeah. I, I took a little luggage scale with me, you know, had each bag at like 49.8 pounds, you know. And uh, the worst thing ever, though, I had to leave some stuff behind, which was like painful. Yeah. Truly painful. Had you considered shipping it or just did, you didn't want to pay for By it? By that point, you know, I was like packing up the morning to leave, oh, yeah. you know, and like I don't speak the language. I wasn't trying to find a post office. You Fair know? enough. But yeah, uh, and another thing too about that trip, which by the way, if anyone is interested in any type of like independent music, like Japan record shopping experience is amazing. There's anywhere from like boutique shops that just like, I mean, there's specifically a place over there called Nerds Records. It's run by a friend of mine. And, you know, he has demos of bands from Pittsburgh that like I don't have, you know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And he's had them for however long, you know. Uh, there's places like that that are like super specialized to just these massive, super, you know, Walmart size places that just is like general stuff that you'll pick out things that you'll never see in your life over here for a dollar, you know? So it's truly a Mecca for, cause over there they have a, they still have an appreciation for product, at least the people that collect, you know, which I kind of developed a theory that the reason they have so much stuff, cause I'm talking like original eighties, New York hardcore stuff that over here. You know, the people with maybe not the uh, the most careful touch, you know, destroyed <laughs> yeah. all of that stuff. You know, yeah. the records, CDs, all that stuff just trashed. But over there, everything is like pristine. And I think what it is is like once it makes its way to Japan, you know, God knows who was mail ordering this stuff in like that time, you know. But once it's there, it's just there and it just circulates. Like everyone takes care of their stuff. Somehow ends up in better condition, probably, you know, mm-hmm. and it just recirculates and it never leaves the island unless I go and, you know, take it off. Now, uh, I actually don't even remember what, what we were talking about before I went on off on that. We were just talking about collecting things and then you mentioned that you had a very big Laserdisc collection. Oh, yeah. So let's talk more about that because okay. I actually <laughs> don't know anybody that collects Laserdiscs. Yeah, me either. So I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? So had a pretty ridiculous stepdad growing up who was one of those guys that like had to be on the forefront of technology you okay. know but like the sucker he's the guy like, that would have bought like hd dvds <laughs> which sure. if anyone is unfamiliar is the failed competitor to blu-ray but you know had to be the first guy to have it paid top dollar for it and you know laserdisc of course was like the pinnacle of that so yeah, he had it. I grew up with them. I thought they were like normal until I found out that like none of my friends, you know, had that stuff. They're like, yeah, we have VHS, like two or three of them. Mm-hmm. And this guy has, you know, like hundreds of these things, which went Laserdisc, like retail price were like 80 bucks. 
and, well, they would range, but like your typical like new release, you know, the Fugitive yeah. or whatever, eighty bucks. I know whatever. that there's some stuff on Laserdisc that you can't get. Oh yeah, like, yeah, a lot of like bonus anything. feature type stuff and things yeah. like that, right? Yeah, there's definitely people like the more like. Uh, you know, film aficionados that want like director's commentaries and whatever. Are you, are you more so that just, deep? You just like having the, the media. I kind of just like absurd things. Okay. You know, at this point with like <laughs> Netflix, yeah. you know, it's like, no, I'm going to go pull out this like LP sized disc that like, you know, needs to be stored in a climate controlled environment and needs flipped halfway through the movie. You know, like I get, I don't know. I just a glutton for punishment, I guess. The thing that I like about physical media is it forces you to actually sit down and enjoy it and oh, engage sure. with it. That's 100%. You know? And yeah. somebody like sends me a link to something on Spotify or whatever. It's just like, oh, no. I can just like, like, sure, like I check it out, but it's like, I can't really like, I'm not really enjoying it. It's no, like, I'm like hearing it through my phone speaker or with my headphones real quick. And yeah. like, it's just not the same. When bands I care about put out an album, I don't listen to it until I own it. If someone's like, hey, check this band out. They're playing your town tomorrow night. You might like it. Sure. I'll go check out a YouTube link or Bandcamp, whatever. Yeah. Quick listen. You know what I mean? But like something you're excited about, like, you know, this band 18 Visions, I like just got back together and, you know, I did this pre-order package thing (laughs) and they sent me the download link immediately, you know? Yeah. But no, I waited the like six weeks, you know, for whatever reason. But, you know, like you said, you were forced to sit down, put it on. Like, wow, I just dropped a hundred bucks on this. I'm going to like enjoy it. Well, I think that you know? too, like you can like sit down and if there's like a booklet, you can look through the booklet while you're listening yeah, to it the first time, go and, through the, the lyrics and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, so, everyone, everyone just in general in society is just so distracted at all times, you know? It's a, it's a nice escape from whatever. Because what, you're going to sit there and stream it on your phone for like 25 seconds until you get a notification that someone liked your Facebook post. And then you get, you know what I mean? You're more yeah. concerned about that. So it's, yeah. I think it's it's different though. Because there's some people that just at this point completely, or they're not going, growing up completely without physical media being around, but it just doesn't seem like it's yeah important. I mean, and like maybe they're still engaging with music with the same amount of, passion that someone like me or you was but yeah it's just on a different level it's hard to like i don't like to sound like too judgy like these kids and their spotify no, no, are never yeah. gonna understand music that's yeah. not true well, they won't but you know <laughs> but no it, it that's not to say it's better i mean dude honestly the convenience of like having anything you want at any time is awesome i mean even when ipods came out it was like cool i can have like 80 gigs which is almost everything that i want you know yeah but still ultimately if if you didn't take the time to go sit in your computer and put it on there, you don't have it. I mean, truly now with streaming, you have everything all the time. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. Like, me and Stacy, my girlfriend, we took a road trip to Philly and, you know, just listening to stuff on Spotify, just pull it up. It's right there. And it's like thinking about when I was in like high school and I had like a full book bag, like a yeah. 20 pound book of a CDs, of CDs yeah. that I always kept on me and. Part of me misses that, and it does. There's no logistical reason for me to miss that, other than yeah, yeah. just uh, liking having all that stuff there and being yeah. able to pros go and cons through everything. To everything is just you know we're just creatures of habit, so we lean towards things. But I, I do agree though that just the general, you know, human nature is that you don't appreciate things if you don't work for it. And honestly, paying nine ninety nine a month or whatever Spotify is isn't working for anything. And clicking on 
similar artists or I I've genuinely never used Spotify, which it took truly me a while. makes me sound like an idiot. No, it took me a but while, but I've never I, even I, looked at the interface. I just, you know, I hear enough people talk about it and have described it to me. Yeah. I've, but you know, it's yeah. So I had a realization recently and I'll tell you about this. So Spotify now like logging into Spotify reminds me of walking into National Record Mart almost. Yeah. Because Whenever you log in, there's all these playlists that are like the curated stuff and new releases, but okay. they're all curated by record labels. Oh, yeah. It's so a, it's like you walk into the store instead of seeing like a display of, you know, like the new uh, like Puff yes. Daddy album yeah, yeah, or something yeah. that was around, you know, it said it's an advertisement. Check it out now, yeah, you know, listen no. to it. And then you can even do things now where you can uh, pre-save albums on Spotify. It's like a okay. pre-order, but Got whenever it. it gets released, then you get notified that it's out and then you can listen to it. And, but yeah, just, and then I feel like I'm at the store. Yeah. Cause you almost, can still like pick your genre and go through stuff in ABC order and find stuff that looks cool. Yeah. Like I'm just looking for like a cool looking album cover yes. or something like the that. The difference is it would be it, the equivalent of getting to just take anything you want and walking out the front door. With exactly. It, you know, um, but no, that's, I mean, like I said, despite not using it, I hear more than enough insight about it. I mean, so many instances that we would hear about, you know, when doing the promotion stuff, it's just like, Oh, what has this many streams and so and so and the that label shit pisses is about, me off. Yeah. I mean, but really when you think of it, it's really kind of taking a step back in time. Like when everything first went online, it made it a level playing field, you know? But now it's just kind of right back to the major labels spending the money to push Oh, one hundred percent. You know. Like I said, they So it's kind of just back to square one. There's all those whenever Spotify first came up, you were actually there was ways that you could message people that ran playlists and things like that and get mm. your band featured on those top featured playlists. But now they're just all run by record companies oh, yeah, and they course. just have their releases and all their umbrella labels just on these playlists. And yep. that's just what's getting pushed out to people. Yep. I'm a uh, conspiracy theorist slash always expecting the worst kind of guy. <laughs> so um, I actually believe that it's this kind of even larger than industry-wide thing to push everything to streaming including i'm talking like as far out as cars not having auxiliary point ports oh yeah you know so whatever but um point my point is why i even bring that up is i mean once everyone gets accustomed to streaming or whatever spotify's not going to be 9.99 a month forever like once once everyone is comfortable with it and whatever that's what you're used to that's when it goes to the roof i think people will come back and at least have an appreciation again for like files, you know, which it's crazy to think that like people, especially younger kids, even view like MP3s as like burdensome yeah. at this point. It's like, ah, I gotta have to have to like save it and have a hard drive and all this stuff. It's like, you're, wait, you're complaining <laughs> about MP3s at this point, you know? But people, I think, will eventually see the relevance of that and swing back around. Yeah. The There's no future in streaming music other than just, convenience like in kind of an auxiliary usage because artists aren't making money off of it either so no the concept of the cloud really freaks me out i don't like well, yeah. it and it's ultimately just, it's always at the uh discretion of whoever you know yeah feels like it's like oh well you know it blows my mind you're that, really bordering on 1984 at that point yeah you know, like, you know? Yeah, it so. blows my mind that people pay for things that they don't physically own. i guess like you're paying for the service yeah. And that's one thing. You're paying for convenience. But if you're, you know, 
actually paying to download albums, say off of iTunes, and then you're just storing them yep. in the cloud in a digital file somewhere. That's like, yeah. Why would you? You can buy. That's the other thing too. Is it's not even cheaper. It's just easier. You yeah. can a lot of chance. Like, plenty of times where bands are selling their CD at a show for five bucks, but oh, it's yeah. ten dollars to buy it on iTunes. Oh yeah. It's like buy the CD, rip it, and throw the CD in the trash if you're really that burdened by it. You know, it's crazy. I don't know. But like I said, convenience is truly the driving force of the whole concept, really. So you got, you're into music, movies, anything I'm, else? I, that's the thing. I, Are you not that, really into movies? Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. It's like, <laughs> I am not like some film aficionado okay. or critic. I like laser discs because they're weird. And of course I like movies, but like, honestly, like literally a friend of mine, just came back from Malaysia. I was just, I had my label, uh, we had it in distro set up at a, a fest this past weekend. And a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while, he'd just come back from Malaysia, I believe, or possibly. No, it was Malaysia. But yeah, he had uh, heavyweights and Santa with muscles laser discs for me. Okay. And he found it and brought those back. And it was honestly like the coolest score ever you know yeah. like, i'm not familiar with santa with muscles it's hulk hogan 1996 ed oh. begley jr actually also um <laughs> yeah i stayed up till 5 a.m last night watching it it's horrendous <laughs> but like i'm not exactly watching like criterion collection discs all day you know uh-huh it's just more so, of a an interesting thing to collect yeah, and then you you, know, you watch what you get failed formats are you know always a favorite of mine always rooting for the underdog what about betamax that's pushing it too far because <laughs> there, there was never like a there. Also, the other thing, too, is like there was kind of a like a culture, you know, came up around Laserdiscs in a sense. Like there's an amazing site called LDDB.com, which is LaserdiscDatabase.com. And it's just like that's what I actually have a store on there. I think I have the eighth largest store in America. Oh, yeah? And it's like my bragging point. Yeah. <laughs> which is awesome because I like run it out of my basement. But um no, there it's it's like this website that, you know, was literally I think built in like 98 or 99 somewhere in there, but like still kind of looks it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just a very like diehard base of like middle-aged men, you so, know, on the message board, you know. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. So with a lot of the stuff that you pick up like on laser discs or maybe other formats, is it stuff that you pick up to keep 100% or do you like pick it up and then list it online, watch it. And if somebody buys it, you kind of are willing to flip it to keep the hobby going. Um, as crazy as I am, I'm, I realized that the only way I can justify like doing all this is if like my addiction funds itself, yeah. you know? So it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm not like a, uh, merch flipper. Uh, it's like the bane of my existence, but like, yeah, if I find something that's awesome and I already have it, I'm not going to leave it on the shelf. I kind of have this like no one gets left behind mentality because I mean coming across, I mean, hardcore CDs or whatever I'm into, but especially laser discs, like finding those out in the wild, like doesn't happen too often. So when you see it, even if you already have it and it's something cool, you pick it up, you sell yeah. it to someone, you hook them up, you know, but like ultimately, like I said, the collection and the addiction, it funds itself. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm the same way with vinyl. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm, out and about and i know somebody's looking for something i'll let them know mm -hmm. like i'll call them like hey you want me to pick this up for you yeah they're like how much do you want like well it was 20 bucks so give me 20 bucks yep you know or another thing is too it's pretty common i mean honestly pretty much the only way you're going to find cool stuff on laserdisc is if you either go to japan or i guess malaysia uh and or you buy 
like entire collections at this point. So it's like, you know, you skim out the 10% of it that you want, piece out the rest of it and try to make your money back, you know? Yeah. So I know it's a lot of my video game collector friends are like that. I have some guys that are really, really intense into collecting old Nintendo games and that stuff's just, I don't know. It blows my mind. Yeah, like, there's there's someone else in this room who will rename remain <laughs> la- nameless that can definitely relate to that. Yeah, I mean it's so. But I have like a, a friend of mine that's he's been collecting this shit since he was a kid and still has like all these games now that are worth like fifteen hundred dollars, oh, yeah. two thousand yeah, dollars. It's just like, and he couldn't give a shit less about like what it's worth or selling it or bragging oh, yeah. about it. Like he's just, you know, it's just who I am, stuff I have, whatever. Yeah, no, it's. I mean that's. Literally exactly what we were kind of complaining about earlier. I did never go into the video game realm, though. Um, but I think in general, there's kind of like a resentment towards the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't picture you because, as like much of a video game guy. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> no comment. But, um, but yeah, it's it's like before, you know. And on, I mean, the internet is the only way that I can run a Laserdisc store. I obviously can't have a brick and mortar laser to store anywhere in the world you know at best there's three people in any city that care so obviously there's pros and cons to everything but with the internet it's like oh whereas before you'd go to some thrift store or whatever where you'd see some ad it's like oh i have the 1000 laser discs i know that no one wants them i'll give them to you for 20 like in the penny or saver or something yes yeah Whereas now it's like, oh, actually, I looked this up online and I know that this is, you know, uh, you know yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, dude, you don't even know what this is, you know, just give it to me, you know. So everyone is an expert on everything now and it kind of makes it, well, you know, not kind of, it definitely makes it harder to like not even find a deal, but even just pay a fair price, you know. It's like, well, yeah, that was worth $100 one time to the one guy in the world looking for it. Now you know what it's worth? whatever I am willing to pay you for it because yeah. no one else wants this, you know? So collecting is just weird now, but you know, I guess the upside to that is like I said, you can sell off doubles or whatever, yeah, you know? There's so. definitely a, it's a double sided sword. Yeah. So I hate to complain about it, but the know-it-alls can all burn in hell as far as I'm concerned. You know? <laughs> Cause you know, before you had to know, you had to know from putting time into it. Not from Googling it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, again, I could probably say the same things. Yeah. It's all and the I, same sentiments. It's it's a double-edged sword because for me, so like because I refuse to be that guy, like the flipper guy, I only deal out what I'm interested in and what I also collect. So it's like, oh, like literally on our way here, we went to Half Price Books and I just picked up an original press. Yeah, I, a place that throws away like physical media in their dumpsters, I have no respect for. Yeah, fuck them. Yes. Um, but I found an original press victim in pain, agnostic front, LP, you know? Random. Yes. Tight. And, you know, like... You saved I, it. Like, you, you picked that up because you know about it and like you want it. So like, I want it. It's worth money, but I'm going to keep it because I want it. If I was trying to make the money, I would start you know video games which i just said i you know don't care about so you would get into that so like all my coolest stuff that is worth the most money i keep because i want it yeah you know so it's yeah it i think that's the definition of an addiction actually so (laughs) it blows my mind the people that get into a hobby just to make money off of it because like at the end of the day the amount of time 
that you're putting into it, like versus what how much you will actually profit. Yeah. It's not a whole lot unless you're like trading cars or something yeah. crazy. And all you're really doing Rolexes. is taking, taking the fun out of it for people. You know, it's like I guess I know I know a little bit about this video game stuff from hanging out with a few of my friends that are into that. And you know, I see this stuff out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I know those guys will like drool about it. Of course, I give them a heads up, but like, I don't go pick it up and like try to sell it on eBay. You know what I mean? Let people have their fun. Let them go out and find it in the wild. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other thing too. Is like I'm especially when it comes to action figures and things like that, mm. I go to a lot of toy conventions and shit and yeah. I like finding stuff. There's items that I know I could go on eBay right now and buy, but yeah. th- that's not the fucking point. Like no, I want to actually go find it and yeah. feel like I actually accomplished something and justify me still going to these conventions after all these years and just, yeah, what is it? With, stupid with my, <laughs> my label and distro table I had set up this past weekend. Yeah. I just, just kind of like a throwback thing. Just, everything was five bucks, you know, just like move it, let kids find good deals, whatever. But I did, I had one box of like 20 CDs that are like some stuff I pulled from my personal collection, you know, that like I almost didn't want to sell in reality. So I honestly like, you know, marked them up. I'm talking like, you know, 80 to a hundred bucks or some of these CDs, really? okay. you know, which in 2017 sounds insane to some people. And these kids are picking them up and they're like, they're like on the edge. I mean, a lot of them did buy them, which I was, like I said, kind of bummed about, <laughs> but, uh, they want it that much. I guess yeah, it's yeah, for sure. good, good for them. But, you know, the ones that were like on the edge, like, ah, oh, I want it, but it's a lot of money, you know, especially when everything else is like five bucks. Uh, I was like, dude, honestly, put the time in, go dig in the record stores. Like you will find this, you know, the same way I did, you know? I think on average I've paid like a dollar for like almost everything I own, CDs, laser discs. You know what I mean? But yeah. Keeping in mind that's with literal thousands of hours of digging. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, of course you go click on eBay, and it's actually skewed the perception of the term rare. You know, like nothing's rare anymore. If you can type it in and click a button and have it show up at your door in three days, priority shipping. Like, yeah, it's not rare. You know. So and just because something is rare doesn't mean it's worth yeah. fucking yes a thousand bucks things are bucks. things are either expensive or not expensive now they're not rare yeah and if, if you do find something rare props to you because yeah Most e- of the time. even like uh, discogs yeah is like the stuff they have on there is unbelievable there's like my band's demos on there and stuff <laughs> you know yeah. it's like. And I didn't, I didn't make the page. That's like someone the cool else thing did. about Discogs is it's all, you know, a user, oh yeah, user contributed database of people that are just super passionate. I actually, and I'm not going to reveal this because someone else who's way smarter than me will totally take the idea and beat me to it. But I have an idea based off of Discogs that I'll tell you once the mics turn off. Okay. It might actually be the answer to your first question of what I'm doing in life. Nice. Yeah. So. I like it. It all comes around. Yeah. So. The, that, um, that may be the next step. But yeah, for kind of closing in on things that are rare or whatever, for mm. me, most of the shit that I want, like, so the toy that I want the most right now is I have these Bill and Ted action figures. I'm looking at them right now. And there's now. an amplifier that they come, that, that was sold separately. Okay. And there's an auxiliary cable and you could plug them into the amplifier and it makes music and they rock back and forth. It's that's, fucking stupid. That, no, that's insane it's technology awesome. for that time, yeah. man. And I want that thing so much. Yeah. And it's just like... And you could go on eBay and buy it oh, right definitely. now. I could probably buy it for three bucks. Yeah. Nobody fucking wants what's, it. But for me, fun? that's like kind of like the justification or clarification of what rare means to me is something like that. Yeah. It's like, 
most of the stuff that I want isn't worth fucking anything. And it's just rare because nobody gives a shit. It's just yep. weird niche stuff. Yeah, my favorite pieces of my collection are stuff that, you know, hold some type of sentimental value that with zero monetary value to it, you know? Yeah. Friends' demos or whatever, you know? I think there's just people that get into collecting stuff and they're just like... Oh, they're status collectors for like, sure. Yeah, just like, I just have it. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, there are definitely kids that like... <laughs> It's it's very prevalent in hardcore, unfortunately. That's I was gonna bring that up. I was like, yeah, I, I it's know a very that that's kind of a image based thing right now. Do you have all of the the multiple obscure pressings and yeah. probably merch, old yes. t shirts? I can imagine it just goes on for days. And ultimately, I mean, is that impressing any girls? I don't think so. So it's like, <laughs> are you really sure you want to put that much effort into it? You know, impresses your other equally single well, think, friends. Well, I think that's the thing. If like you get into if you're in a peer group that does a bunch of stuff, like you yeah. might, you get into it. Like I used to live in a house with two other people that collected records too. Yeah. So you and I bought, off of each I other bought all way day. more records when I lived with them yeah. just because, you know, like you just be hanging out and someone comes home with a stack and you're Arms like, oh race. shit, yeah. you know, I'm going out after I get off work tomorrow. Yeah. Now it's just like, you know, I'm here, you know, by myself. So it's just mm-hmm. like, whatever. I'm not, I don't have that outside influence all the time. It is definitely a great feeling to come across, especially like the more obscure your interests are, but to come across someone who is equally as interested in whatever it is you collect or care about or whatever, you know, it's like my friend sitting next to me here is wearing like a very obscure movie shirt. And when we were at a thrift store a few hours ago, some guy with a more obscure shirt was, you know, blowing them up and kind of turned into a bit of a competition, you know? So it's like, (laughs) but you know, when when those, when those scenarios go well it's awesome it's like oh cool all this time that i put into this stuff we can like relate to someone with so it's a nice bond to have sometimes you know yeah definitely like i was this morning emailing with a guy about how it is to collect laser discs in new zealand in like 1993 you know like that stuff you can't just you know that's watch a youtube video about it that's something. what's awesome about the internet too one of the good things about it so I have an uncle who lives in Manhattan in the 80s. He was living in L.A. and released this really weird, like, electropop drag queen record. Okay. It was on a super small private press. He had a copy at his place, and he's not going to fucking give it to me. It's just not going to yeah. happen. But, like, I was, at, I was at his house a couple years ago. I posted it on Instagram, like, years ago. This dude shoots me in a message on Instagram a couple months ago. And it's just like, hey, um... I found this record in like an estate sale somewhere in like Oregon. I couldn't find anything about it online besides your Instagram post. Yep. And I was just like, holy shit, like shoot me an email. Like if you're looking to sell it, I'll buy it off you, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it all came together. And now I finally have a copy of that obscure ass record. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've been pushed to the point of desperation on a few items that I've went to the Internet, which will literally be the only way you will ever obtain certain things. Yeah. So, but that was still like I didn't necessarily look for it. Like it's like they found oh, yeah. me. It came to you just yeah, like because of the internet. That's just no, super cool to like. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, about. I don't want to be works. confused with bashing the internet. I just think it's changed things dramatically, and yeah. people rely on it too much. That's all. But the internet rules. I'm on it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. for sure. So wrapping this up, is there anything that you want to plug specifically? We can't talk about your top secret project. Yeah. You'll, oh, you'll know about it, though, when you're <laughs> using it, and I'm collecting all the commission fees off of you. But um, no, not really. I mean, like I said, I 
I do my little label. You won't be interested in it unless you already are probably. Um, but it's called Preserving Silence. You know, started it in 2002. I think I'm at 20 releases now. So we average, you know, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a fun thing, you know. And like I said, it's honestly, I've been getting value on this most recent since I revitalized it within the past year of convincing these younger bands that it's worth it to make something, even if it's only a hundred copies, which is honestly at this point, like the smart number to do, you know, oh, yeah. for anything, even if you're fucking Metallica, like, um, but yeah, you know, I'm seeing people start to grasp the relevance of it. Cause I, I'm genuinely convinced that CDs are going to be in vogue by 2020. That's my big, I want it on the record. I guess this will be my official documentation of it because you know, of course, something has to die before it becomes cool again. And CDs are definitely dead and have been for a while. And But after running this booth this past weekend, vinyl has definitely plateaued. Oh, totally. Cassettes are cool right now. And CDs are coming up next, which everyone thinks I'm insane. But proportionately, I sold five to one CDs yeah, to records. I don't think you're crazy at all. Uh, Three to one CDs working, to cassettes. Working at Get Hip, we're starting to sell more CDs. Um, we're selling more CDs now than we did when I started there four years ago. Yeah. And we're getting shipments when we get shipments in, we're actually getting stuff on CD. There was a long time where yeah. we weren't getting releases on new releases on CD at all. Yeah. Most labels now we're weren't getting, even bothering. We're getting CDs. Uh, stores are buying more CDs. Yep. Well, well, there's a huge gap. Like, I mean, at this point, you know, with how backed up pressing record pressing plants are and, you know, everything is. Every, vinyl looks great now. They sound great. You know, production. It sounds questionable. There's well, a lot yeah, of... I, know. I've, I actually just read an article two days ago. That's like becoming the consensus. But I just mean like, you know, gatefolds. Everything is, is nice now, right? And it's just like, in turn, your average cost of like an LP, brand new, is like what, 25, 30 bucks at this point? Yeah, depending you know? on where you go. Yeah, you have to really care at that point. And I think there's a lot of middle of the road people who like, yeah, I want to check this out and I don't want to stream it, but like I'll buy a $5 or $10 CD. I'm not buying a $30 record. So I just think that's becoming more prevalent, you know, the tighter everyone's wallet gets. Yeah, if it gets to that point, say, where Spotify isn't $10 a month anymore. Which 100% will happen. People want to find something, some way to get, you know, control over the media they're consuming again. CDs were definitely the most, maybe, eh, I was gonna. I don't know if they're the most reliable format, but most versatile. They're, they're by yeah. far. Oh yeah, definitely. In your car, make digital files out of it. You know, whatever. Lend it out. You know. But yeah, point being, I just they're on the way back. I know they're it. the cheapest to manufacture too. Yes. So. And I will. I will throw this in. This is like my thing. And if you've known me for a while, you've probably heard this rant before. <laughs> but I'm proud of it because it's my own little baby here. But okay. <laughs> so think about this. Well, first off, everything, mainstream society gets all of its direction from like underground music, you know, I mean, wearing vintage t-shirts started with like indie rock bands, you know, vinyl becoming a craze again started with punk bands, you know, they take all their cues from us. But so think about this in the real world where, you know, CDs rose up in the mid to late 80s and pressing plants started closing out. Who, who is the only people really pressing vinyl? Oh, punk bands, right? Because, 
I mean, you know, you're in it, you deal with it with GitHub, like cost per item of a record now compared to even 15 years ago is insane. It blows my mind. Yes. I'm sure it was the inverse back then. You know, like pressing a CD for a punk band in 1988 had to be so out of reach, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, at some point in my life, if I ever get bored, I want to really research that and find well, get some quotes of thinking about how much even a like a a four X CD burner oh, yeah. costing like five hundred dollars to yeah, buy one. Exactly. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, so you know, when that's out of reach, you know what's viewed as professional and new technology. What do you do? You go backwards and you you hit up these record pressing plants that are probably struggling for business. You know, barely keeping the lights on. Because go back and look at any like punk or hardcore or I mean any seven inch from like late eighties early two thousands and I know inflation is partially to do with it but like even if I guarantee you if you do all the math to have a three dollar postage paid seven inch you know like which is advertised on the back of all those photocopied layouts and stuff yeah that's insane you can't it you can't even mail a seven inch for that now yeah you know let alone make it make a profit off of it. You know what I mean? Like, so point being, it's punk to utilize the format, which isn't in vogue at the time and capitalize on the, the most cost efficient way to get your music out there. So right now it's punk to make CDs. Totally. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. That's my, that's my rant. Everyone has heard it that knows me, but like, yeah, I don't know. CDs are awesome. And you know, and yeah, it's coming from a guy that has probably over a thousand records and cassettes and whatever, but like CDs are my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good talk. Yeah. Wrapping it up. AJ, thank you for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. And right. uh, yeah, that was our talk about records and music. I hope I didn't bore everyone as much as I'm usually bored with podcasts. Well, so. I think that... But only because you carried it. You. Well, the thing, the thing about this is people that are anyone that's still listening to this it's like they're on the same level as us you know that's like it might be a small group of people but they're the people that are the coolest people so that's one way to put it yeah yeah (laughs) the coolest slash most time on their hands yeah well hopefully you're doing something productive right now maybe you're at at work or yeah building a shelf in your house or working on your car or doing something who knows alphabetizing your video games you know (laughs) yeah something productive but if not Get outside. Go do something. Don't be a piece of shit. And that's it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And we are done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Again, huge thanks to AJ for coming on the show. I got a link in the description for Preserving Silence Records and Distro. Go on there and check out some stuff. There's a really awesome selection of punk, hardcore, metal, and things kind of that teeter outside of that realm as well. I will be back again next week with another new episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2017. Whoop! Woo! Thanks for listening.